The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ridiculous Romance. Hello. We're your hosts. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. And we're very excited that you're here to hear part two yeah. of the Lily Elbe and Gerda Wegener story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hope everybody listening had a chance to listen to part one. If you didn't. Pause this. Right. Go back into your app, mm-hmm. cycle one episode back, and yep. give that a listen first. Yeah, you might be a little lost. Yeah. It'd be like, I don't know, it'd be like stepping into someone's life when they're, you know, middle-aged and uh, and and just taking the story from there. And you have no idea who they are or what their whole <laughs> thing is. You know? Nobody wants that. That's why we stopped making friends in our yeah, 30s. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Childhood friends only. <laughs> Well, how's everybody doing? It's Friday. That's exciting for some. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> for those, we we used to have brunch jobs, so Friday was just like, oh, oh Friday <laughs> like was our like Monday. Yeah, the threat mm-hmm. of the coming work weekend. <laughs> horrible, horrible weekend <laughs> to oh, come. Man. Those were that was a a great job and a horrible job at the same time. Anybody who has ever waited tables knows what I'm talking Seriously. about. I feel like a lot of jobs could fit into that category, however. Well, the thing about serving is the the, the flexibility and the right, freedom right. and the early, you know, if you're doing brunch, the, the mm-hmm. early out time. So by 
you know, two, three o'clock. I've got the whole rest of the day ahead of me. True. Uh, except I'm I'm a zombie because I woke up at 5 a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then ran around doing crazy physical yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tasks all day. I was the best shape of my life was when I was. <laughs> so true. I had to carry that those ice buckets. You had my guns. My arms look great. I you know. had guns carrying those ice buckets. I know, right? Well, plus I had that thing where... <laughs> You know, they'd be like, well, I'll get it. You know, it's too heavy for you. And I'm uh-huh. like, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you it's too heavy. You know, and then I come up Hulk like, out. it is kind of too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> should have taken that assistance. My friend Mike used to be like, your veins in your neck. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're so prominent. <laughs> but I'd be like, move. I can do it. But of course, we're not here today to talk about waiting tables. We're here today Thankfully. to talk about... Uh, we're here today to talk about waiting for a better world. Yeah, waiting for society <laughs> to catch the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you caught part one, and I hope you did, you know we're talking about Lily Elb and Gerda Wegener. And I say that we just go ahead and jump right into the second part of our lives here and uh, not waste any more time. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. And just to reiterate, as we're telling this story, again, normally, you know, we don't want to dead name people or talk right. about their old pronouns. Uh, but in this particular version of the story, which we did pull from Lily's own memoirs, uh, she distinctly talks about Einar and Lily as two very separate people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very different time. Uh, you know, we've we talked a lot about how. The language has evolved, mm-hmm. um, the science has evolved, the understanding of the situation has evolved. Um, but we're going to tell the story like she did um, and sort of refer to both of them individually at yeah. different times. Yeah. When we left off last time, Einar was heading to the Magnus Hirschfeld Institute for Sexual Research for his very first operation. This place, this remember, this incredible place that existed in mm-hmm. the late 20s, early 30s in Germany yeah. that was uh, magical in terms of how they were researching and appreciating and progressing the idea of what it meant to be gay or transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, amazing place. It just blew my mind that this place existed, and it made me very angry <laughs> that it <laughs> was real. then destroyed by the Nazis and and reset the whole damn conversation they were having back then. It did, and throw in this uh, additional quick fling, I guess, uh-huh. but discovered, too, that the Nazis not only completely destroyed this hospital all its records, its library, everything that it had built. Yeah. But it also, of course, had a list of patients. And sadly, the Nazis did seize that list and used it to round up a bunch of people and kill them and exterminate them for being different. And so, but at this point in our story, the Magnus Hirschfeld Institute is still awesome, going strong Mm -hmm. and is kind of uh, providing like the one ray of hope in Einar's life at this point. Yeah. Um, So he's heading off for his first operation. And, you know, he knew that he had decided to end his life on May 1st, 1930, Mm. um, because of all this torment that he was going through. Right. Um, And he was kind of in this mind space that, like, you know, if this operation is successful, Lily gets to live. And that was kind of the best case scenario. because Because no matter what happened, Einar was 
was done. Yeah. You know, we were done with Einar. Yeah. So full of hope and also a lot of fear, Einar traveled to the Institute alone to undertake this this first op- operation. Mm. The doctor at the Institute told him that during the operation, which was to uh, remove Einar's testicles, um, the doctor had indeed discovered a shriveled pair of ovaries that had not been able to fully develop. So it's possible that Einar was intersex. Interesting. Although that is disputed by several of the sources. I'm not sure exactly why, if it's just that, you know, maybe they didn't have a very good understanding of being intersex at that point. And so now we wouldn't necessarily call it that or, Mm. you know, whatever. But Einar definitely wrote, you know, they found ovaries. They're pretty sure that I was meant to develop as a woman and just didn't because I had both uh, sexual organs. Right. And after the operation, they had told Einar that this was a very minor operation <laughs> that he he was going to undergo. But, of course, it took nearly two hours. And for days afterward, she was in terrible, terrible pain. Um, but nurses and doctors were congratulating her on her fine soprano voice that she had <laughs> now. Um, she wrote like a scribbled a note to a nurse. And they were like, no man could have written this. It's a woman's script, you know, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Just like, <laughs> Women's handwriting and men's handwriting being so different. Well, they've got a they they, they have this uh, practice of affirmation, I think, in yeah, this hospital, so it sounds too. like. Let's just yeah. tell her things that make her feel good. Right. You know, that's which is true. And 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 uh, she even said the doctor came in and kissed her hand and called her madam. And it the, the title rang in her ears like yeah. this beautiful, you know, so that. That really said a lot to me that the title Madam being called Ma'am for the first time was just so, like, powerful. Yeah. Uh, such a big moment for her. Um, and, of course, Claude Prevost, uh, Lily's beau, I guess you could call. Mm-hmm. Um, he sent a bouquet of flowers and said each bloom was a greeting from him to Lily. And then Gerda came to join Lily, and they had some kind of comical, awkward times trying to explain about her wife. Mm. I think because maybe in this hospital, it was pretty unusual for their patients to either be married already or for their spouse to be, like, still with them and supportive. at this yeah. point. Um, but it was pretty... It was a pretty funny story where <laughs> Lily's like aw- feels so weird being like, this is my wa- wife, I guess. Is that the best way? Because I'm a woman now. Women don't have wives, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so she's like, this is my wife. And the doctor is like, oh, yes, I know. And, and kisses Gerda's hand and is like, men are such deceivers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> so I think you're right. It was probably a practice of like, hey, you're you, you know, we're we're helping you transition also in your mind. Right, right. As well as in your body. Right. Lily was recovering from her operation, and now she was trying to go out more. But she was pretty nervous that people were going to laugh at her or, you know, call her a man when she was out. Mm-hmm. So Gerda and some other friends of theirs took Lily out to meet a Danish friend of theirs. And this Danish friend didn't recognize Lily as Einar, and Gerda thought that would make Lily happy. Because... As we sort of said in part one, this idea of passing quotes as a woman, as we've seen, was like very important to Lily. Mm -hmm. It clearly made her feel more valid. And she was really terrified that people would say she was a man when she was out in the world. So, you know, Gerda's thinking, well, this will make her feel better. This girl didn't even recognize her. Mm -hmm. But it actually made Lily sad because she was starting to worry that Lily didn't have any friends out there in the world. Yeah. You know, if people didn't recognize that she was Einar, she kind of had to start over socially. Yeah, which I think is so interesting because it, it's like 
you know, in the hospital, the worst fear is that anyone would go, hey, aren't you Einar? You know, but then once she's out and she's feeling really lonely, like, she's, you know, she does recognize her Danish friend and she wants to talk to her Danish friend. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but she doesn't know me. Yeah. So now I'm like a baby. Yeah. So now it's time for the big operation Mm -hmm. uh, with her doctor, Kurt Varnacross. And so she went on to his hospital, which was the women's hospital in Berlin. And on the journey in the train, she realized that she's kind of noticing the landscape with a painter's eyes. She was Mm. picking up color and detail and stuff like that. And it really upset her because she started to feel like Einar was kind of still within her. Hmm. She's like, when am I going to be free of Einar? Einar's the painter. You know what I mean? Right. And before her operation, Einar and Gerda had both talked about Einar stealing Lily's youth by practicing this deception upon her as you know, of being a man for about 30 years. So now Lily is like rejecting everything to do with Einar. She's like, Einar is a different, is a man and a different person. I'm a woman and that means nothing to do with Einar can, can be part of my personality anymore. Um, For example, she had an immediate distaste for smoking. Like as soon as she woke up from her operation, she was like, ugh, smoking, gross, throw all that away. Uh, even though Einar had smoked for years. Yeah. She's like, throw that shit out. And she stopped painting because she thought Einar's masculinity came out when he painted. He was entirely a man when he painted. And so she thought she wouldn't be any good at it um, because she didn't have any of that masculine energy, I guess, huh. uh, left in her, yeah. perhaps. Or She also talked a lot about being really scared that she would paint something as Lily and then people would compare it to a painting of Einar's and say she wasn't as talented as Einar was. Fascinating. It's it's very yeah. I mean, again, right? just just you gotta keep this in mind that it's not just changing your appearance and no. your name. There's so much more to it. And this is someone who's very clearly having a real crisis of identity. Yes. Um, who is so having such a hard, difficult time dealing with it that she wants to, you know, erase whole parts of herself just for being associated mm-hmm. with her past life. That's, uh, I, I mean, man, if you don't have empathy for that, I just, I just don't understand. Really? What a, what a challenge. Yeah. And how much even more lonely would you be yeah. if you don't even get your past Right. To comfort you. Right. You're just literally like a newborn right. in the world, but you're in a grown body. Right. Walking around being like, I should know people. I should have a career. I should have things already that I don't I feel I don't have anymore. Because there's no conversation around it. There's no, right. uh, you know, a uh, mental health care equivalent. There's there's no process for helping someone through this. And that's clearly so necessary mm-hmm. because it's it sucks that. She felt like she needed to disconnect from this entire past when that was that was still a really cool skill that she had. Right. You know? Yeah. I would I wouldn't say, you know, she's worried about being less talented than Einar. It's like, well, maybe you're more talented. Right. Maybe maybe it's the same. It doesn't really matter. It's just like this is this is still part of you. Mm-hmm. You can change your identity and still retain your skills and these sort of little things that sort of make you who you are. Yeah. Underneath all that. Yeah. But she felt like doing anything that Einar did just made her Einar instead of Lily. Yeah. So she was yeah. just like, forget that. At the women's hospital, Lily realized that her personality had undergone another shift when she saw Kurt Varnacross again. As Einar, 
She'd had no problem talking to the doctor. But as Lily, she suddenly felt breathless and fluttery and nervous and like submissive and afraid to ask questions. Mm. It was kind of like that time when Einar was doing the ballet. We sort of run against some of the gender stuff here again. Like she wonders if the doctor is treating her differently than he had treated Einar so that she would get accustomed to living as a woman. So is this another situation where it's like, well, men are supposed to be this and women are supposed to be this. Right. So now that I'm Lily, I, I, I should be fluttery and submissive and not know what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kind of just adds in now there's a layer of sexism. Yeah. That women are supposed to be this thing. And now I have to be that thing, too, now that, you know, I, I've realized that I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was, you know, you know me, I'm not very submissive. (laughs) So (laughs) certainly reading some of that, I was like, come on now, Lily, you don't have to be like that or whatever. Right. But you can you can read it, you know, as you can see how desperate she was to disconnect from Einar. I mean, she was willing to give up entire talents that she had. Right. So she so anything, even if she knew, well, you know. Not not all women are like that or whatever. She just needed to get us far away mm-hmm. from the idea of being, you know, anything like Einar, or anything like masculine. Right. That she wanted to be the complete stereotype mm-hmm. of of a woman. Right. Because it was like almost like more uh, not validating, but like real. Like it made it more real for you, the observer. Yeah. Right. Than, it, than right. it even did for her, even right. though I think it did help her validate to herself yeah you know what i mean because she had this idea of what a woman was and that idea was what she grew up learning in this time period i wonder if the doctor really was talking to her differently or if the doctor was like i was legit talking to y'all the same way but you you just took it differently because you feel different it's hard to say i mean speculation station (laughs) i would say he might have done that because he might have had the same binary idea of Mm -hmm. well you're a woman now so i better Treat you like I would treat a, a woman, which is, which to, is be like, to talk down stop to you. Asking questions, yeah. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Think your head's full of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't that validating for you? You know, mm-hmm. or or he yeah. just does it intrinsically because that's again right? just that's his nature. True. And I wonder that too. Like when if you transition from male to female, do you start to see people? And I'm sure you do unconsciously talk to you differently or treat you differently. You know right. what I mean? Not like a conscious thing from this doctor, like I'm going to treat you differently so you'll feel right. more a- affirmed. But rather like when I saw you as Einar, I saw a man and I unconsciously spoke to that person yeah. differently than I speak to this woman now that I'm seeing. Right. And you got to wonder, you know, if there's a, if there is a validation there where you're like, ah, yeah, great. I'm experiencing sexism. <laughs> This, this is, person, on the right you know, recognizes my my gender now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a weird world. So part of the surgery that she was going to be getting with Dr. Kurt Varnacross was an implant of ovaries mm-hmm. from a donor. And she was told that because these ovaries were coming from a 27-year-old woman, that they would give her new youth and vitality. And Lily would actually go on to protest that she should have a different birthday from Einar because she was younger biologically. And weirdly, the science here actually kind of checks out. In Japan, scientists successfully transplanted ovaries from young mice into old mice. And the old mice started behaving more like younger mice and even living longer 
because of the hormone functions from their new ovaries. Isn't that weird? That is so strange to me. So ovaries could be the fountain of youth. I mean, I'll get some put in if it's going to make me younger. (laughs) Sounds great. So, yeah, at the hospital in Berlin, she underwent the surgery to have these ovaries implanted. And Gerda obviously had to keep the record of this period because Lily is sedated and Mm -hmm. out of it and stuff. Right. We didn't get any uh, Lily under, you know, sedation journal entries where she's like, I'm in the bubblegum factory today (laughs) and the peppermint trees told me it was... (laughs) I wish. Yeah, where's Lily's morphine diary? (laughs) That's the movie I'd like to see. Yes. Uh, but yeah, but Gerda's feelings about Lily's transformation, I think, are best left to her own words. She wrote in a letter, quote, A human being who was born a man, who was my husband, my friend, my comrade, has now become a woman, a complete woman. And this human being was never intended to be anything but a woman. Nothing more is left, not a particle is left, of my life's comrade and fellow wayfarer, Einar. He is the dead brother of Lily, who now lives. Interesting. I I mean, I think it's cool that she's so clearly like, this was always how it was meant to be. Yeah. But she's still really sad that she lost someone she really cared about. Sure, sure. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little archaic. I mean, some of it in terms of... Well, now she's a complete woman. Now right, that she, she has had ovaries, this surgery, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, well, that's not. You know, we know now that's not what the it difference takes. between a man and a woman. <laughs> but, um, but it, it definitely uh, you can you can kind of see her working through it here mm-hmm. in her own you know 1931 kind of way. Yeah, totally. And yeah, she was definitely having a lot of questions were coming up for Gerda. You know, much like Lily, wondering kind of how the outside world would react, how their old friends and family would react, mm-hmm. um, if they would accept Lily, if they, you know, all that. She also kind of wondered, like, well, now my husband doesn't exist. There's a woman here now. How am I married? How how do we get divorced? You know, mm-hmm. like what's mm-hmm. what what's going on? <laughs> how does this work? And she also wrote. Quote, I cannot help thinking of the one person who never really believed in Einar, but only in Lily, Lily's most intimate friend, Claude Prevost. What will he think when he sees her again? Oh, interesting. So I was like, oh, we all know Claude is coming, <laughs> coming right. back for Lily. He's like, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. It's kind of easy to lose Gerda in this story a little bit because Lily's transformation obviously is so huge and, and the you know, really the anchor point of the reason we're telling this story, but Mm -hmm. Gerda was super fascinating in her own right. Some people speculated that Gerda was maybe possibly a lesbian or at least bisexual because her artwork often showed scenes of lesbian erotica. Right. But others think that maybe that's just how she herself was seeing their sex life after Einar started living as Lily. But one art historian, Andrea Rigg Karberg in Copenhagen, thinks that Gerda was just as much of a pioneer as Lily. Andrea says that Gerda basically revolutionized the way women are being portrayed in art because typically women were painted by men and therefore, you know, seen through the male gaze, being presented as men see women Mm -hmm. instead of as how women see themselves. So Andrea says, quote, she painted strong, beautiful women with admiration and identification as conscious subjects rather than objects. 
Goethe's women were rarely passively laying around in these paintings, but usually engaged in performance or in play or in seduction or sex. Even more impressive about Goethe, Andrea says, quote, She got ahead without trying to be more like the men to do it. She loved makeup and fashion and didn't see why embracing these traditionally feminine things should make her any less strong. She wanted it all. Mm. So Goethe's pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah. And Andrea was kind of like she was really interested in the performance of gender mm-hmm. even before yeah. Einar was starting to struggle with with her identity yeah. because she I mean, right here, she's saying it. She loved makeup and fashion. And she was like, why should I perform more male to uh-huh. be successful in a man's world? I right. should be able to be a woman yeah. and do whatever the fuck I want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I really think that's so interesting that she was already thinking a lot about like, oh, we put on these clothes and we put on this makeup and it's this one thing. But there's this whole world inside. You know what I mean? That doesn't adhere to any kind of binary. Right. And yeah, and the astonishment from Lily's doctors when Gerda comes to see her, I think, speaks volumes of her character as well, because, you know, speculation station, we already kind of pulled into this. But I, we wondered if the patients were had never married or if usually their spouses had left them or, you know, right. it's like, you're a freak, I'm leaving you kind yeah. of thing. Um, and so that's why they were so like, oh, your wife's here. OK, well, that's cool. Like, send her on up or whatever. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, Gerda was cool. I mean, she could tell that this was not some delusion or, like, mental health break or something like that. Right. You know, she's like, what I see is someone I love in pain, yeah. and I don't want them to be in pain anymore. And that's it. That's kind of the thing yeah. <laughs> that that mattered to her. Right, exactly. But, yeah, their relationship did change. You know, they had a very—we spoke a lot in part one about their very deep connection— that they had when they got married and Mm -hmm. for the many years that they were together. Um, But after this operation, their relationship did change form somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, When Lily woke up from her surgery, you know, she's out of it. She's in pain like we are when we undergo some big medical operation. And Gerda wrote in her letter that she held her, quote, like a little sister in my arms. And later, Lily also describes the two of them walking through town quote, arm in arm, like affectionate sisters. Mm. So they're still really devoted to each other, but clearly there's no there's no romance there anymore. It's not the same kind of connection. Right, right. They're not in love. I mean, I, I wonder, I'll pull into Speculation Station here real quick. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is involved from Lily's perspective of, I'm trying to leave everything about Einar behind. Mm-hmm. And one of those things, I mean, if she's ditching the whole career. Yeah. Why not, you know, his marriage? Right. Makes sense to me, too. I mean, well, this is someone I care about, but Einar was married to Gerda. Mm-hmm. I, Lily is best friends with Gerda. Yeah. And that's kind of how it always was in their earlier years. Yeah, Lily's Lily, sister-in-law. Yeah, Lily came out to hang, and Gerda was like, oh, man, I feel so good when you're yeah, around. my girl's here. Another, maybe because mm-hmm. also Einar... Uh, described himself as kind of condescending yes. and like over, <laughs> overly like masculine. Like I wonder if Gerda wasn't just like, boy, I'm so glad that asshole took a break <laughs> for a while and let's let me hang out with Lily. It's like, you know, the the same person, right. but this one's nice, <laughs> right? Well, and I think too that there's the kind of the homophobia we talked about yeah, a little bit yeah. in part one is that it's like, well, women don't. 
They don't sleep with women. They right. don't marry women. Right. They're not in love with women. I'm a woman. So therefore, yeah. there's nothing there. And maybe yeah. Gerda had some of that too, where she's sort of like, well, you're a woman now, so yeah. this doesn't work the same way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's why it's interesting that she did paint lesbian erotica. I think a lot of her more graphic scenes, she painted for uh, a memoir uh, ca- of uh, Casanova's memoirs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to get to Casanova. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, you know, uh, sometimes I'm like, maybe the subject matter was just there and she's just painting what was written, <laughs> which yeah, right. was two ladies doing it. <laughs> um, or if, yeah, again, if she was sort of like, oh, now that, Lily's here when when Einar and I are doing it it's almost as if you know what I mean yeah, sure, there's some sure. kind of connection there she just wanted to explore that or right, something like that right. but I don't know that she herself had any same sex tendencies well she was definitely someone who was at, at the very least mentally exploring mm-hmm. this whole idea of gender yes you know in, in a very interesting way that seems Again, it's hard to say. I want I want to say it seems ahead of its time, but then you learn things about like this institute. Right. And you're like, maybe maybe back then it was not quite as ahead of its time as we thought it was, and all that shit just got reset. Yeah, um, that's true. So that we're we're you know, we've been more catching up mm. to that time. Yeah. At any rate. So one day Lily received some mail, mail. and inside was her new Danish passport with her new legal name, Lily Ilse Elvenes. Elb was her pseudonym, which she chose because the hospital was situated near the River Elbe. Mm-hmm. Now, this was only two days before May 1st of 1930, which, remember, is when Lily had said, you know, if I don't figure this out, I'm going to kill myself because either Einar goes or we both go. Yeah. But she wrote, quote, Einar kept his promise. He was dead and she was alive. Lily Elb. This is just a big moment yeah. for her to, to get her her passport with her name on it, her picture yeah. changed. Like it, it was a really Huge. big deal. A really big deal. Also, excuse me, it's nineteen thirty <laughs> uh-huh. and they're allowing people to get new passports okay. with their legal name yeah. and their correct gender on them. Hello. Again. Hello. We were already there. We yeah. were we were so close mm-hmm. to getting there in 1930, yep. and I'm so ooh, this story makes me angry. I know. <laughs> I, know. I am real like ooh, I've gotten hot reading this because mm-hmm. I, I cannot believe. <sighs> yeah, and they were fully willing to be. Oh well, you're a woman now, so obviously you need a new passport oh with your new name God. and your new look and everything like and and I don't know you know in Denmark if that's changed since then or if you know they've kept that <sighs> yeah, process that the same all there I only know what it is in America which has been very difficult mm-hmm. uh, to make changes there yeah it's a good point <laughs> oh, I, oh I get so mad so at this point Gerda had to go back to Paris for work so she would leave Lily to continue to recover as well as to prepare for her final surgery, which was to remove her penis and scrotum. So they exchanged tons of letters throughout this time. And in June, she was fully recovered from this last surgery and she was ready to leave the hospital. Gerda came to pick her up and Lily had a really hard time. The hospital was like this oasis, like everyone there knew her. They knew about her. They knew how to talk to her. But now she was going to go back into the, you know, the big wide world. And she'd have to face her old circles again as this new person. 
She thought about never returning to Denmark and never seeing her family again because she was just so afraid of rejection. Mm. That this sounds very familiar, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, and definitely again, just the it's it's so much more. Yeah. Than than just you know representing yourself. There there are all these existing connections that you kind of have to deal with in yeah. in one way or another. Right. Right. And 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 lonely. Yeah. I just feel her so alone, yeah. even with Gerda next to her, any friends. Yeah. It really feels like she feels completely like this island. Yeah. And she's so, so scared that yeah. that people, you know, she's thinking she, about everyone like her sister, her brother, you know, friends from Denmark, art dealers, you know, career colleagues, mm-hmm. as well as dear friends and just sort of. I'm. Just having crazy scenarios play out in her head, I'm sure, about yeah. horrible things they could say or lovely things they could say, and each of them being really terrifying. Right. And I mean, you know, just to, I like to try and find something relatable to myself, because obviously I can't re- relate directly right. to this experience. But like, I hate being the new kid. Yeah. I hated it when I was the new kid, when I was a kid. <laughs> and I hate it now. I hate going to a new job and like I don't know anyone. And I've got to like some people are into that. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it. And it takes me a while to feel comfortable in any setting with a bunch of people I don't know. Add on top of that, everything that you just mentioned yeah. that she's going through. Can't imagine, uh, you know, can only begin to kind of try and understand what that felt like. Yeah. But uh, it, it sounds like a. A real challenge, if if not an all-out nightmare internally. Yeah, you know, no, because no matter how it goes, you know, it might go great. Mm-hmm. It might be totally fine and awesome, yeah. but uh, you know, even still, you're dealing with that storm in your head. I think. Yeah, for sure, and that that's what so much of this story is about—an internal storm, an right. internal torment. Like everyone outside doesn't know necessarily what's happening, but. Again, this person was so tormented internally that they were willing to kill their outside body. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like they're like, I'm going to die now because I just cannot deal with everything going on inside. People don't even know. Yeah. So, yeah, Lily was kind of thinking about all these different people from Einar's past that she would want to see again or was afraid to see again or was wondering, like, how are they going to react to me or are they going to still love me? Are they still going to accept me? And she realized that two faces just kept coming up for her. And one of them was her Claude, her Claude Prevost mm-hmm. art dealer who would send flowers and was always so sweet to her. Yeah. And also Gerda's friend, Fernando Porta, mm-hmm. who we talked about in the first episode being this Italian guy that they knew. And when they went to stay with him, Lily had realized that Gerda was, ro- they were really vibing. You yeah. know what I mean? So she's yeah. like, oh, uh, there might be something there. So not long after she's realizing this, Gerda wakes up from a short nap and she's like, oh, I had this beautiful dream. You, Lily, you and I were in Rome. And Lily asked, Fernando was with us, wasn't he? And like put her arm around around Gerda uh-huh. and they both just realized that they weren't in love with each other anymore, that they were maybe in love with other people or yeah. at the very least that their paths were not parallel anymore. They, right. they would be going off in different directions soon. Right. And that morning, Lily sent a short note to Fernando saying, quote, Dear friend, I will only tell you that Einar is dead. I know that Gerda has not yet told you anything about it. Write her and do not neglect her. Lily. And then they both went back to Denmark. Damn, what a friend. I know, right? That's a girlfriend right there, you know. She's like, 
hello, ask my friend out finally. <laughs> I know she's not going to say anything about uh-huh. this, so you better come in and ask her because uh-huh. she's waiting. I need I to wing woman this. <laughs> I mean, that's great. And that's I think mm-hmm. that just shows like they're, they maintain, they do still love each other. Oh, yeah. You know, they maintain this closeness. Obviously, they'd spent most of their lives together at this point. They yeah. were, they're incredibly close friends. Yes. And Gerda had even said, oh, I wonder what Claude's going to think now that she's had her operation. Right. And now right. Lily's like, hey, Fernando, like, ask out my friend. Mm-hmm. So they clearly want the other one to be happy, even yeah. if it's not with them. Yeah. Yeah. And they both recognize that they would each themselves be happier with, with someone, someone else, else what, romantically. That's such love to me. That's like, incredible. What, what deep Love yeah. and, and connection. Yeah. I mean, yeah, every once in a while I'm like, man, you know what? You, I need to I need to write to that guy and tell him he's got to <laughs> ask you out because you know, that's, that's how much I love you. I know, right? Sometimes I, I want to go up to these girls that talk to you randomly in the grocery store. And oh just ask him out and make him feel so good. Oh, it'll make me feel so good. I they never like... do. <laughs> <laughs> They're always like, excuse me, can you move your cart, please? <laughs> Or like, hey, that was my last banana. Oh, you know, <laughs> you taking the last banana? <laughs> what kind of apocalyptic Kroger are you going to? Oh, these days. True, the supply chains. Supply chains, <laughs> all the bananas. <laughs> all right, well, uh, we're gonna go grab some bananas real quick, and we'll be right back after this brief commercial break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. 
when you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope Ooh. you all got a banana to eat. Oh, yeah, potassium. The rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Einar had been really well known in Copenhagen, so Lily was really extra nervous to be there. She was afraid people would recognize her, and she was afraid people wouldn't recognize her. Mm -hmm. She was worried what her sister would say when they met again. But chief among her concerns was figuring out how to divorce Gerda. In Denmark, it was required that you had a year of separation before a legal divorce would be granted, and then an additional year afterwards to make it official. Which reminds me of our um, Lucy and Desi episode yes. when Desi, uh, Lucy went ahead and divorced Desi Arnaz one morning after they went out that night mm -hmm. uh, just to just to stick it to him, knowing full well that when she saw him the next day, yeah. went back to his house, it would nullify the divorce. <laughs> but she's like, I didn't put all that paperwork together for nothing. <laughs> she said, I didn't want to waste all the legal fees I'd That's spent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. This was what was required in Denmark, and Lily was determined not to have, quote, Gerda swindled out of two years of her life. Mm. Um, and also, they didn't want to separate. They didn't want to not see each other for two years. Right. So a lawyer suggested that they petition the king, Christian X. So they had a secret meeting with the king, which took less than an hour. And by the end of it, in October of 1931, their marriage was dissolved. So even the king, I mean, even the king of Denmark is like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Right. I'm so mad. Well, and they were even like two ladies presented themselves to the king. Yeah. So, of course, the king is like, well, obviously you can't be married to a woman. What is yeah. this? 2012? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Lily encouraged Gerda to head to Italy as soon as possible to hook up with Fernando. She's Love like, that. get out, get out there, Girl. you know. <laughs> get you that Italian sausage. I know you want it. <laughs> Go get it. But Gerda did not leave just yet um, because, she, like we said, she knew that Lily was incredibly nervous to be in Copenhagen. So great. So she made sure to bring more and more of their like old friends and acquaintances into their trusted circle of people that knew about Lily um, so that Lily wouldn't be all alone, you know, when Gerda went off to Italy. Mm -hmm. But 
while pretty much all of their women friends accepted Lily and was like, cool, we'll, we'll come by tomorrow for a drink and see how you're doing. Um, both of them were really heartbroken because Einar's male friends completely refused to associate with Lily. <laughs> Lily wrote that they kind of told Gerda or Lily that they felt they'd be betraying Einar by accepting Lily, that they respected Einar too much to be kind to Lily. Oh, God. See, this is that, and this is that sensitivity, mm-hmm. that, you know, fragility is really the word, yep. where it all starts to break down. Yeah. You know, where it seems like everything's fine, and then some guys come in and they're like, whoa, whoa, I, I'm, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to change. I'm not willing to think differently about something. I have an established thought pattern, an established relationship, and by God, I'm a man, and I'm not about yeah. to change that. Right. And it's so it's so weird because... One of the things that makes her so nervous to see her family and friends is that she feels like Einar's she's afraid they're going to see Lily as Einar's murderer. Right. Um, And so this kind of, I feel, backs up that notion for her that these male friends are like, you killed my friend, basically. He's not here because of you. Right. Instead of being able to see that they're the same person. Which, I mean, you know, Lily herself has put it that way to some degree. Oh, definitely. That this is a, you know, Einar is dead. Mm-hmm. Einar is gone and I have taken the body now. Yeah. Um, But uh, but it just shows the complicated nature of the, of the whole transition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just th- that unwillingness to, to, to transition with her. Right. You know, you're like, okay, well, cool. Now Lily's here. Yeah. Now Lily's my friend. Sure. That's, you know, no one was murdered. Uh, yeah. Well, and it was interesting to me, too, to see that because, of course, now, we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of women coming out as TERFs where they're kind of like a trans woman invalidates me, mm. a biological cis woman, mm. somehow. <laughs> I, I once had a conversation with somebody where I was like, this makes me feel like shit to say, but I got really mad when Caitlyn Jenner was named the woman of the year for like Time's woman of the year. This was a few years ago. Right. I got really mad about it. And I was like, maybe I'm like trans exclusionary and some kind of bitch or something because I'm like, you don't deserve that. Mm. But my and I told my friend about this because we were having a conversation at work about this kind of situation, sexuality and stuff like that. And I, I was like, I feel like shit that I just so mad about this. I don't know why it's upsetting me, but it felt like wrong to give it to her. And she she said, um, well, what if it had been Laverne Cox? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized it's because Caitlyn Jenner sucks. Yeah. Not not because Caitlyn Jenner is not a woman. <laughs> it's just that she's terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> it made me feel a lot better. <laughs> Thank you to my friend <laughs> for helping me feel better. Yeah. So then Lily went to go see her sister for a few days, which, of course, caused her a lot of turmoil. Mm-hmm. And she says her sister was kind but did struggle to accept her. Um, like she had the sister had put Einar's paintings all over her house. Lily called it a museum to Einar. Mm. And she would kind of be like, don't you see what we've lost now that Einar's gone? Oh, this damn. talent, you know, don't be mad if I can't call you Lily right away. And, and, you know, like stuff like that. And so she she writes about being very calm and as patient as possible for a few days while her sister's kind of working through her own very complicated emotions. Right. Um, At one point, her sister did call her Einar, and Lily wrote, I felt then as if I ought to die. Wow. 
So just, again, when we talk about something being triggering, it's not like some simple, laughable feeling. Yeah. It, it really is sometimes like, I, I would love to jump out a window because you just said right. that. I mean, something triggering is, this is a psychological term that's been like really overused. grossly co-opted and overused because tr- being triggered or something being triggering is not about being upset. No. It's about having an instance, you know, in, in your past or in yourself that one thing can bring up Mm-hmm. A, a very serious psychological struggle. Yeah, uh, and and it's and, and it it's not okay. It can be really damaging. Everything. Yeah. about your day. It's not just like I was pissed about that for about fifteen minutes and then right. I moved on. Like right. that's not it. Yeah. And again, we're talking about somebody who's like, especially feeling like totally invalidated as a woman if you say, "Hey, Mister" or something, right. you know, and so. You're you're basically saying she doesn't exist. Right. And so she's like, well, then I'll go jump out of a window so that I really won't exist. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just really hard for her to hear her sister not quite going with her on it yeah. <laughs> right away. Um, and she admitted that she did not make it easy on her sister because her sister was really longing for her brother. You know, she's talking a lot about childhood memories with Einar and everything they used to do together and all this stuff. And... So she was looking, you know, she, Lily is like, I can see her looking at me searching for Einar. Right. And she wrote, quote, whenever I showed myself by my character and by the way in which I spoke, in which I moved, in which I thought, I veiled completely the character of Einar. He was ingenious, sagacious, and interested in everything, a reflective and thoughtful man. And I was quite superficial, deliberately so. For I had to demonstrate every day that I was a different creature from him, that I was a woman, a thoughtless, flighty, very superficially minded woman, fond of dress and fond of enjoyment. Yes, I believe even childish. And I can say it calmly now. All this was certainly not merely farcical acting. It was really my character, untroubled, carefree, illogical, capricious. That's so that's so interesting. And mm-hmm. I, you know I think about the more current discourse which is you know again not that I I was a man and now I am a woman like mm-hmm. Einar and and Lily kind of seem to go through but I have always been a woman yeah. my whole life. Mm-hmm. All I'm changing is my presentation. Yeah. And that seems so much healthier than what Lily's going through here which is you know I have to I have to bury everything that was Einar Mm -hmm. so that I can be this new person now. Yeah. And you can see the struggle there with her sister, too, about saying, you know, yeah, I really miss who you were. Mm -hmm. That was the person I grew to love my whole life that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so you don't want to invalidate her feelings, the sister. Right. Because that that that's difficult. You know, you can't just say, why don't you just smile and go with it? Right. Um, because she's got her own process to work through. Mm-hmm. How she goes through that process and how, you know, recognizing what's affecting Lily right. is important. Yeah. And and eventually by the end of her trip there, after she spent like a few days with her sister. And by uh-huh. the end, her sister was like, I, I'm i with it now. I accept you. You're my sister. Mm-hmm. You know, they they she was cool. But it, it was a hard few days yeah. for Lily and her sister yeah. to kind of talk. I think they had one big fight. Yeah. Where her sister's like, well, you've, you know, 
fucked everything up and Einar's better. You know, like she was really having a just a really hard time. That's when right. she called her Einar and that's when Lily was like, I felt like I ought to die. Because yeah. they probably because of multiple triggers in that conversation. Right, right. Um, but fortunately, by the end, the sister was like, we're good. We're good. I love you. You're yeah. still in my family and yeah. I want to be in your family. That's nice. So that that is nice, right? She's yeah. feeling a little more comfortable probably at this point. Yeah. And then right around this time, an article was published outing the truth about Einar and Lily. And now Lily obviously did not feel safe in Copenhagen anymore. She wanted to go back to Germany, but her brother invited her to stay with him in Jutland. So Lily traveled to her brother's home and Gerda left for Italy and Fernando Porta. Lily's brother and sister-in-law treated her lovingly and pampered her so that she regained a sense of safety and well-being. And after a month or so, she returned to Copenhagen. That's when her friend and the editor of her memoir, Ernst Harthorn, started collecting her letters and diary entries to turn into this book. And Gerda came back from Italy, radiantly happy, all set to marry Fernando Porta, and told Lily that her new home in Italy would always be Lily's home as well, and that she felt that Lily was both her sister and kind of her grown-up daughter, and that Fernando would welcome her as his daughter too. And Lily wrote, quote, How happy these words made me. Mm. I mean, again, just real love. Real yeah. love right there. Yeah. That she's like... And I could totally see why she kind of saw her as a daughter. A lot of people talk about Lily being... And she herself said... She is a bit childish because she was new. Mm -hmm. You know, she felt like a new person. So she just didn't really know how to go about the world. She didn't oh, yeah. know how to be a woman in the world, I right, guess, or right. or whatever. So she she seemed very innocent and naive right. about a lot of things. Which, I mean, you know, being a woman in the world, I, I mean, I'm sure as much now in that time period, uh, is something that, as I understand it, you learn to do yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. So she's kind of starting fresh. It makes sense. It's true. And yeah. and being naive is not a bad uh, quality for a woman, I guess, in this particular pe time period. Yeah. It does inspire a man to want to protect you. <laughs> don't, don't go learning maths now. <laughs> <laughs> Who will marry you then? I like that Gerda goes to Italy mm -hmm. and comes back glowing. She's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, sure, I'll go down and spend a couple of weeks in Sorrento with mm -hmm. Fernando Porta. <laughs> oh, wow, Gerda, you're glowing. You look as if you've been on a sexual adventure a, across Tuscany. Yeah. A sun and sex-soaked sojourn to Tuscany. <laughs> Yeah, but Lily, at this point, she needs money, right? She Everybody needs money. Gotta oh, have yeah. an income. Oh, yeah, money. <laughs> oh, yeah, money is sort Forgot of thing. Forgot about that part. <laughs> so an art dealer friend arranged an exhibition of some of Einar's paintings, which were in storage. Okay. Okay, and this wasn't unusual, because Einar and Goethe, again, these are famous artists. Right. So they were frequently exhibited. But this time, they put out a story that they were exhibiting these works to raise funds to pay for Einar's hospital bills because he had been languishing in a hospital in Germany uh -huh. for a long time with this big illness. Hmm. That's kind of how they were explaining the fact that no one was seeing Einar anymore. Right. But, you know, this this article had come out that was kind of like, hey, they, this is what we think. The sources say blah, blah, blah. And it was really probably a TMZ type snarky sort of sarcastic article. So it caused all the those old rumors from like 1912 to fly around again about mm. Gerda's model being her husband in a dress and who's this lady and oh, just all this geez. kind of hurtful shit. 
And so nobody bought a single picture at this exhibition. And Lily is really upset because she needs income. She knew she had friends and family who would support her, but she didn't want to be dependent on them. You know, she's like, I need to fucking, I'm a grown woman and I got to be out here handling my business. So like one of her friends was like, hey, why don't you just dress up like Einar and show up and then you'll, you know, put paid to all these rumors or whatever. But Lily and Gerda were horrified by this suggestion, which I think goes to show you like Einar could dress like Lily and not feel gross in those clothes, I guess is a better is the best word I can think of. But Lily putting on Einar was like, ugh. No, absolutely not. Yeah, because Lily is who she is. Right. And to put Einar on, I think, would almost be like a regression. She'd be like going back and undoing all this surgery she'd undergone and everything. And it's like saying that either that that Lily is a costume, too. Yes, totally. Whichever person I dress up as, that's Mm -hmm. the person I am. And that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. So then another friend of theirs who was an editor at a newspaper was like, Lily, let me write an article about you, a real article, your own words, uh, describing your tormented existence as Einar and what you went through in these German hospitals. Let me put it in, let you tell your own story. Don't let this article tell it for you. And at first, Lily was really terrified to give this account of her life. But her friend told her that a well-known painter like Einar couldn't just disappear. Mm -hmm. It was time for the public to know the truth. And more than that, this German doctor had achieved a real medical miracle. Shouldn't everyone know what he'd accomplished? That was smart because yeah. Lily was like super obsessed with Kurt Barnacross. Uh-huh. And she was like, I, I am the embodiment of his life's work. Basically. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that was that was probably really what got her to do it. And it did. She consented. And the article was published at the beginning of March 1931. And now Lily was afraid to go out because she thought everyone would recognize her And that everyone would know, like, she was scared to be called an impersonator or afraid people would call attention to her or shout her name in the street. Being misgendered wasn't just about feeling triggered by her old pronouns. She felt that it invalidated her as a woman, as we've talked about. She wrote, quote, other women could be ugly, could commit every possible crime. I, however, must be beautiful, must be immaculate, else I lost every right to be a woman. Yes, as you said earlier, it's yeah. almost as if she's like, I need to go from to a complete yeah. 180 yeah. as womanly as I can possibly get, yeah. as stereotypically womanly as I can possibly get, or else it doesn't mean anything. Right. But she realized no one recognized her. No one was calling her out in the street and or running after her, any of these horrible fears she had. None of that was happening when she went out. She even bought the paper that had the article in it and then sat on the tram and read it. And no one realized that it was her, even though she was wearing the same coat and hat that Uh she was wearing in the picture in the article of her. So after that, she was really reassured. She was like, okay, I'm safe. I feel good. And she started to kind of enjoy going out and kind of getting a kick out of people not knowing who she was. Awesome. Um, she started going to the gallery where Einar's pictures were hanging every day. And after this article came out, there were like crowds of people going to the to this exhibition, hoping to catch a glimpse of Lily. Like they were hoping she'd oh, wow. come out and, and show herself, I guess. 
And so she went to, so Lily went to kind of see that and was sort of getting getting a kick out of that because she was there, but no one knew it. <laughs> and one lady even whispered to her, tell me, miss, don't you think that the lady over there with the large feet and the necktie who looks like a man is Lily Elb? <laughs> and Lily replied, yes, most decidedly, that is she. <laughs> and every picture Sold. Amazing. Which I think is so interesting that an article came out being like, psh, 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 hey, guess what? Lily L might be Einar in a dress or whatever. It's right. so gross and rude. And people were like afraid to buy the pictures. They were like controversial. Right. But as soon as she came out with her own story and was like, yeah. this is the real situation, people were like, oh, I better go fucking buy that painting. You're telling me <laughs> that an article in the media... Can influence people's ideas of social issues. <laughs> it's almost as if the framing of the story really matters to how what? you see it yourself. What? Weird, right? Huh. Somebody ought to put that to good use. <laughs> or evil use, I suppose they could do. I mean, but who would do preferably that? Preferably not. I know, but who would do that? <laughs> who would do that? Who would deliberately put harm into the world for their own profit? Speaking of, we have a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do. So we will be right back. (laughs) From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. 
I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So now Lily's paintings are selling and she's feeling good about her place in the world. She's comfortable. She's established. And Gerda is like, okay, you're good here. Mm -hmm. Girlfriend, I got you. I'm glad you're feeling all right. Come visit me anytime. I'm going back to Italy and Fernando Mm because, of course, (laughs) I'm going back to Italy and Fernando, too. First chance I I know, right? I'm going to go sleep with my hot Italian man. And so Lily's regular doctor told her that she was getting healthier and healthier and she could probably start painting again. But this really upset Lily. She was like, don't you see, Einar is the painter, not me. Like, Lily doesn't paint. Mm -hmm. So her friend and editor, Ernst, told her that she didn't have to renounce everything about Einar to be herself. He told her, quote, you are a woman. Sometimes you are afraid of saying that because it's completely naked and brutal. But all truth, in fact, is brutal. Much of it is even shameless. And there are very few people who can understand and endure the most intimate and perfect shame. That is the shame of shamelessness. Yeah, which I think is kind of like we were just talking about, that she doesn't have to give up anything about herself. Right. It's like Ernst understands even better than she does Uh that she's always been Lily. So whatever Einar was, Lily can also be. Yeah. Because Lily's always been there. Yeah, exactly. Like he's kind of telling her living unapologetically is your goal. Right. You're still apologizing to yourself, if not to anyone else, for who you used to be. and. You need to be able to embrace your full self. Yeah. You didn't necessarily used to be someone different. No. Yeah. He's like presented differently. Yeah. You belong to yourself. Right. Everything you are belongs to you. You can you can use it or lose it however you will. But don't lose it because you think it means you're not you. Right. He said, quote, this new country of the soul is lying dormant within you. And whether you like it or not, it will go on expanding. And this advice worked. Lily takes on an art student and begins to paint again. I think that's awesome that she had such a good friend to, like, be able to say that to her. I I mean, she's got an enormously awesome support system here. Yeah, absolutely. really wonderful people who are totally accepting. Mm -hmm. Man, again, feels at times it feels better than now in some ways. (laughs) Just yep. reading it and reading other things and hearing stories from people I know now, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, it's very frustrating. It is. 
But it's sort of that thing about progression where yeah. the pendulum sort of swings. Yeah, fuck the pendulum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you can kind of see like, oh, this was such a new thing. People are like, oh, yeah, okay, sh- sure. I mean, what? it's right. new, whatever. And then if, if kind of like now, more and more people are feeling comfortable to say I'm non-binary or I'm transgender and right. it's making some people think because of the internet that oh everyone's transgender now and it's not <laughs> yeah. cool to be cis anymore and oh my god we're like a second class you know what I mean and so you swing back to being more intolerant than you yeah. might have been if it felt like a smaller population right right does that right. make sense well yeah we talked about that in part one about how transitioning back then when you've got to worry about all 30 people that you know <laughs> right, versus right. now where it's like I've got 1100 Facebook friends and mm-hmm. I have to deal with all those relationships um, and and yeah similarly like we we're talking about with the media of mm-hmm. there's now there's people there's people being outrageous about it that it's just like the the downfall of society who will probably never encounter a transgender person in their lives no you know, and if they did, they probably wouldn't even know it. You know, no. it, it's just absurd mm-hmm. uh, to see that pendulum swing back yeah. because it's so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And if they do meet a transgender person in their life, it won't affect them at all. Right. What's it going to do to you? Nothing. Uh, anyway. Anyway, the pendulum. <laughs> so then Lily receives a letter from her friend, Claude Prevost. Oh, Claude who's like obsessed with Lily. Bonjour. I know, right? Bonjour. And he told her he was going to be in Copenhagen soon and he would love to see her. Mm. And so they spent a whole week together. She took him around Copenhagen and they talked about old times in France and memories they had together. And she was just so, so happy with Claude. And Claude told her, you know, you're a grown woman, but I also see you as kind of childlike and innocent, sort of naive. You need someone to be your protector and take care of you. Hmm. And she was like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to go visit Gerda in Italy. And then I'm thinking I'm going to go back to the women's hospital in Berlin for a few months. And just I was so comfortable there. You know, I'm just going to hang out there. But he offered her a different path. He was working as a diplomatic consular for some time at this point. He was about to be transferred from Paris to Turkey. And he took Lily's hands and said, will you come with me? Will you marry me, Lily? Will you be my wife? And she instantly said yes, uh, which she kind of describes as like she didn't realize she was going to say yes. It just came to her lips like without thought. She was just like, of course I will. But all that emotion that was he was stirring up within her was really kind of freaking her out. Um, She didn't really know why, but she's like, I really feel like I have to go visit Dr. Kurt Vonnegut in Germany first before I can really say yes or no. Mm -hmm. I, I need to go see him. The way she wrote about it was that he he kind of birthed her. He's her creator, yeah. quote unquote. So only he has the right to dispose of me is sort of how she huh. talked about it. Interesting. Um, which I think is interesting. But I think it's actually more that once she got there, she realized what she was really looking for. And it wasn't permission from Dr. Kurt. Right. Because Lily didn't realize it until she got to the hospital and was standing right there in front of the doctor. But what she wanted was to be able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. She had this belief that a, quote, real woman was able to give birth. And she got a little obsessed with the idea of becoming, again, another quote, a complete woman, which she had mentioned in those words before. Mm -hmm. She wrote to her friend Ernst, quote, it is not with my brain, not with my eyes, not with my hands that I want to be creative, but with my heart and with my blood. 
The fervent longing in my woman's life is to become the mother of a child. So Lily asked Dr. Kurt if he would give her an operation that would enable her to have children. Only a few weeks before, Dora Richter, who we talked about in episode one, was the Mm -hmm. first woman to have a sexual confirmation surgery. She had successfully undergone since then a full vaginoplasty. So Dr. Kurt agreed to implant a uterus in Lily and construct a vaginal canal. And then she felt like she would be able to marry Claude. Yeah. Which, once again, we come back to some inherent sexism and mm-hmm. and binary ideas of what makes a man, what makes a woman. And Lily has, you know, probably her whole life believed that a woman has babies. That's mm-hmm. what makes a woman. Mm-hmm. And wants to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And... And and that she couldn't marry someone she loved unless she was capable of giving him children. Right, right. And that's not to say that, you know, that's not valid, that that there are women who feel like, you know, what I need to do is give birth. Sure. You know, and, and trans women, too, mm-hmm. uh, who think that's very important. At, at this point, uh, it's it's not been done. It's it's a very theoretical kind of concept, but she feels very strongly about it and is willing to take that risk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately, what doctors did not realize at this time was that the immune system does not like strange objects or organs Mm -hmm. in the body. You have to really prepare your body to accept a new organ and you have to have just more advanced medicine than they had at that time. And anti-rejection medicine wasn't around until the 1970s. And the first successful organ transplant would not happen until 1980. So this is obviously many years before that. Lily had her uterus implanted in June of 1931, but her body rejected it. And she spent months in the hospital growing weaker and weaker um, with infections and different things. Yeah. And Gerda sent flowers every day. Claude sent letters telling her he was patiently waiting for her in Turkey whenever she could come join him. But in September, Lily's heart failed. She passed away on September 13th at 48 years old. In some of her last letters, she wrote, That I, Lily, am vital and have a right to life I have proved by living for 14 months. It may be said that 14 months is not much, but they seem to me like a whole and happy human life. And near the end, she sent a letter to her sister, saying, Now I know death is near. Last night I dreamt about mother. She took me in her arms and called me Lily, and father was also there. Which is beautiful because her parents had already passed away by the time she was Lily, so Mm -hmm. she would never know how they would accept or reject her. Yeah. So I think it's lovely that she had a a dream that they they said they were her family. Yeah. I mean, whether you see that as, you know, a real vision right. or just as her sort of like really accepting herself and believing mm-hmm. that, you know, people who loved her would accept her true self too. Yeah. Uh, either way, it's it's beautiful. And when she stayed with her brother, she was there for like a month and he was like, you know, you haven't gone to see our parents' gravestones yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you want me to take you? And at that time, she was like, I know that I don't really have any parents 
or family. Oh, interesting. They're, they're all Einar's family. And right, so right. I don't really have any parents. You know, the closest I've got is Dr. Kurt Barnacross. Mm. And so it's it was just interesting that at that point, she didn't see her family as even hers. And so I'm just very glad that near the end, she did yeah. kind of see it, it was, that way. It was like painting. Like, you yeah. know, she felt like she had to get far away from mm-hmm. anything that was Einar's, not realizing that she was... You know, Lily all along. Right. And these or, things were important to her. Yeah. Or that she didn't feel like she had a right to anything right. that Einar had. Right. Right. Um, I think it's part of it, too. It's not only like I need to push it away, but also it, it it's not mine. I That's not me. I, it doesn't belong to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just very complicated stuff. Yeah. And it's complicated, too, because I, I part of me is like, well... It's amazing that she felt so strongly. She was willing to take this risk. She accepted the results in mm-hmm. a way that yeah. she wasn't going to live through it mm-hmm. and felt like, you know what? But I lived the life I wanted to live. Right. And that's really wonderful. I also feel like that her very strong belief that a woman, to be a woman, a complete woman, as she said, right. you need to have a uterus and be able to give birth. And that, you know, kind of archaic notion is sort of what killed her in a way, yeah. too. Um, which is sad because it wasn't it was not her being a trans woman that led to her death. It was her rigid beliefs about what a woman needed to be. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, too, if it came up that she's like, I really I want to have sex with Claude. Right. And I don't know how because yeah. I don't have a, a vaginal canal. Right. Right. How can we do it? Right. The only way I can think of is seems gay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, I don't but, know. But Dora had had the vaginal canal. Right. You she know, just didn't have just the uterus. Just didn't go with the uterus. Right. You know, so. You're so right. So she was, could have gone with that. She could have gone with that. But she felt like, again, a complete woman mm-hmm. can give birth. And we know cis and trans women who are complete women <laughs> who cannot give birth or choose yeah, not to. And that's, to, yeah. you know, again, that's a, a, a newer mindset, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, again, very rigid of her to believe back then. Well, and it's interesting, too, because the there's a postulation that because of the shriveled ovaries mm-hmm. that they found that she maybe had, I think it was Kleigenfelter syndrome, hmm. um, which is where you have an extra X chromosome. And so you have like smaller testicles and you're usually infertile. Oh, interesting. Um, it's sort of a similar as the Turner syndrome for women where they have oh, okay. an extra chromosome and you might never know in your whole life that you have it until yeah. you try to get pregnant and you can't because uh, it's mainly an infertility thing. So I find it interesting that Einar was not less of a man because they didn't have children, but uh, but yeah. Lily would be less of a woman yeah. if she couldn't. Yeah. You know? Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile... Gerda is living it up with her new husband, Fernando, in Morocco. But in 1936, he had burned through all of her savings Ugh. and they divorced. So, so much for this Italian lover. Like, it's a good time now, uh-huh. but he's mm. he's going to use all that money. He sure did. Oh, man, Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> so Gerda moved back to Denmark and she tried to have more art shows, but by then the art deco style was fallen out of fashion and her work really didn't sell very well. She slid further into obscurity and poverty, selling hand-painted Christmas cards to survive. Only a few weeks after Nazis invaded Denmark in 1940, Gerda died with little fanfare. Yeah, it's not, it's 
just now, really, that people are starting to appreciate who she was yeah. in her lifetime as, right. a, as an artist and as a woman right. and as the wife of, of Lily Elba. Yeah. You know, she, she did not get her due in her time. Man. But Gerda was cool, all right? Gerda was cool. <laughs> now, there's another aspect we can talk about with uh, Lily's death, that she died when she did. Yeah. Because shortly after that, which was, of course, in... 1931, the Nazis came to power and started, for example, they destroyed the hospital Mm -hmm. where she had been getting her surgeries and her treatment. And they had, like you said, that list of names Mm -hmm. and they went and they tracked these people down. Yep. So it's entirely possible and maybe even very likely. uh, Mm -hmm. Sure, I guess this has to exist in Speculation Station, Mm -hmm. but that the Nazis would have killed her. Killed her. Yeah. She might have only lived a couple more years. Right. Right. If that uterus had not. So there's, you know, something if you're looking for a silver lining here, there might be something historically beautiful about the fact that she kind of got to go out more on her own terms or at least, you know, mm-hmm. through her own decisions rather than the worst people of all time coming in and quite possibly killing her in a very horrible way. Yeah. Yeah. So the silver a... lining is that she didn't get killed by Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that's a it's a bummer of a silver line. It's more yeah. of a gray lining, You're right? Yeah, it doesn't quite have that sparkle to it. Yeah, but. It's a very stormy gray lining. <laughs> oh well, there's an upper for you. I know. <laughs> I wish there was a like a yeah more bright note to end on. Well, I suppose. Yeah. But I guess you could say her her legacy has certainly echoed through history. Absolutely. Uh, you know, her book is incredibly important to understanding yeah. her journey and the journey of many. Who came after her. Right. Well, look, she died, you know, when she was too young. Yeah. That That is tragic. But her life was remarkable. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it, it's an education still to this day. I mean, look, I'm, I learned so much mm-hmm. just from doing this episode. Yeah. I hope people are learning something similar from listening to it if we manage to, you know, make any sense out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, version. right? But, um, but about the trans experience, the evolution of the trans experience... Uh, about history in general, mm-hmm. there I learned a lot about history right here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I'm really fascinated. I think she gave a those memoirs really gave us a really valuable perspective, mm-hmm. and throughout her struggles, she got to live a pretty dope ass life, and she got to live as herself, you yeah. know, uh, for 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 some time. And she had a lot of love in her life. Yeah. Which I think is so wonderful yeah. to find out. It could have gone so differently. Gerda could have left her and thought that was so weird. And all her friends could have abandoned her. She yeah. could have never found Kurt Vonnegut. I mean, it could have ended so, so differently. Long before any of this, you know, anyone could have just like shamed her into living as Einar throughout the rest of her life. She might have lived to 90 years old as Einar and been miserably unhappy the whole time. Right. Or thrown herself into a river as yeah. she planned in yeah. 1930. Right, right. So, yeah, I think that's valuable to learn that your love and support can literally save someone else's life. Absolutely. I really do hope that you all took something, you know, even close to what I took from this story yeah, uh, through our telling of it, because uh, it's really fascinating. Um, but please let us know what you did think. Again, yeah. we said this last time, but I'm I'm so interested in feedback from this one. Mm-hmm. Um such a fascinating story to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please reach out. Yeah. Of course, you can get us romance at iheartmedia.com. 
Right. Or on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great. It's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. And we're going to be coming back again next week with another crazy episode. Oh, we didn't even mention this episode is 52. <gasps> that is halfway through the year. It is. Well, uh, we're going to pop a bottle of champagne tonight. Woo! Um, I think we've still got some leftover from our New Year's party of January of 2020. <laughs> So, yeah, congratulations to us. Yeah. Y'all go fix yourselves a drink in our honor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and have fun this weekend. Right. We will see you all at the next episode. Cannot wait. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.